0: Hi, I'm Crystal, former school principal, married mother of two, and newly diagnosed adhd Come on my journey where I figure out how to improve my quality of life and my family's. Sweden is known for some of the best sceneries, some of the best food, and after you hear my guest today, you'll know some of the best people in the world. I'm so excited for my guest from Sweden to talk about some of the things she's experienced as a mom with ADHD, as well as a mom with someone with ADHD. Let's listen in. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. All right, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, where you're from, and a little bit about yourself and your connection to ADHD.
1: All right. My name is Ikan. It's spelled i I'm a 42-year-old woman from Sweden, and I was diagnosed late with ADHD and autism type
0: 1. All right. And so what? when were you diagnosed? Was it when you were a child or later in life? Or No, actually, this is kind of
1: sad part. Because I was born in uh, the 80s, ADHD and autism wasn't really recognized, especially amongst women. So a lot of us got misdiagnosed. And I feel that also happens a lot today, especially amongst women. So when I was a teenager, I got to diagnose borderline. This is really common. And when I didn't agree with this, I started my own research, totally all We re- research for many years. Went back when I was around 35 and said, you have to try me out. And they did. And jackpot, I got full on both.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds very similar to my experience with anxiety and depression. And then kind of in my late 30s, figuring out that that was the medication and the treatment I was getting wasn't addressing it. And so I knew that had to be something else. So Mm -hmm. we have that very much in common. Can you explain to the listeners kind of how, what is that process? in Sweden for going through, um, a diagnosis, you know, we, um, you know, in America, there's a long wait and there's a process that you have to get and go through. Can you walk us through what that process was for you? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's similar. It's a similar process. If you are a child or you are, or an adult, the children, you, you have quite a long wait. You can wait up to a, a year before you actually start tests and stuff. Uh, Sometimes, if you're younger, it will go a lot faster. So, uh, the first thing they look for is always ADHD at first. And then after that, they look for autism. So they start first with the ADHD test. They start with like uh, a questionnaire. Um, You get to look at building blocks. It's, It's a whole thing, really. And the whole process, it takes about a year. They do a lot of tests. They ask a lot of questions. Uh, when it comes to the autistic part, they ask questions about how you are now compared to when you were young. And when it comes to the ADHD part, uh, they tend to tend, ask more questions about how you are now. Like, can you sit still any time? How is your train, train of thought? How was school? More pinpointing questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it takes about yeah, roughly a year. That's a long time. That is a long time, but w- Sweden is a very serious country and we, we we since the 90s when these people got misdiagnosed and people were unhappy, I think they really shaped up and wanted to make things right, you know? yeah. So they started to testing much more seriously so the people would get um, exactly the right help. You can also have like different uh, criterias when it comes to ADHD, you can have different levels. And when it comes to the autism spectrum, we have one, two and three, just so you can pinpoint what kind of resources um, you need uh, and what kind of help
0: maybe you need. That sounds way more thorough than what we have in the United <laughs> States. <laughs>
1: You can also, of course, do a private diagnosis. It would also take a year to do that because they have to follow these serious steps, but it, um, it would be faster to get in.
0: So now you, uh, being with ADHD and then also being a mom, you have an experience with your own children too. Would well, you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have three boys,
1: 14, 16, and 18. Uh, the 18-year-old boy, is actually just starting to investigate if he has ADHD or not, but we truly believe that he has, but he was the quiet type. So we didn't recognize this until much later. Uh, The middle one has ADHD and autism type one, and the younger one has autism type two and ADHD full criteria, like he meets all the criteria. And for these kids, when they get, the diagnosis on paper and everything it's a lot of help actually the schools helps out a lot you get a lot of tools uh, you can get like my youngest one has his own assistant wow um, there's a place that is called it's kind of like a rehab facility where you can go and you can talk about your feelings you can talk about what it's like what, what is it like to have ADHD what are my strengths what are my weaknesses how can I communicate Uh, communicate more efficiently so we do have a lot of help for the kids as well but i will say compared to for example the united states um like 15 20 years ago they took away a lot of the schools for neurodivergent children because in sweden they want all children to be able to attend the same kinds of schools that that doesn't work they want everyone to fit in the schools, the regular schools.
0: So did, just so for my own knowledge, because I don't personally know, so let's say 20 years ago, I have a child with ADHD. Would they go to a different school? Yes. Okay. 20 years
1: ago, they had like these special schools where you could go if you had ADHD or autistic, where there would be more personnel, more trained personnel, maybe like smaller classes, classes shorter classes. And nowadays, the, there are not many of those left because the school system they changed it all and that's that's sad actually that's bad
0: it is sad and and it's interesting to hear because in the United States you know I work in the schools and we're I'm seeing a shift the opposite direction where we're noticing that these students on the spectrum and that have ADHD are needing these additional supports and so we're now slowly Mm -hmm. starting to add them in so it's interesting.
1: I think Sweden Sweden is so much about inclusivity I think the word is yep, we yeah. want to welcome everyone everyone has the same rights everyone has the same worth and we took it too far.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I mean and, and there's value in making everyone feel included and having that child, you know, I have a child with, that's uh, on the autism spectrum and yeah. we want them to feel like they're like everybody else to some degree but in the yeah. reality of it all they're they're not.
1: Yeah, and there's also a value in being different I and mean, yeah. I feel personally and for my kids they have so many strengths and talents I do know that people on um, the neurodivergent side they have like this omnipotence potential the ability to do most about anything they're interested in if they're put in the right environment that's like Absolutely. scientifically proven yeah. so when you throw in a bunch of neurodivergent kids in classes with neurotypical children these these neurodivergent kids, they would start to mask and mimic them and maybe feel bad about themselves. So it can actually be a downside.
0: Yeah, I never thought about it that way, too, and that they would kind of regress their ability to just be themselves and... Yeah. And that, that could actually, from an adult or like a um, psychological standpoint, people who are monitoring kids who have ADHD, it mm-hmm. probably is harder to do now that they're in a school setting because they do probably mask a lot more than they would in more of a, a safe setting, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And it could be like, it's more noise in a regular school, maybe more people. It's, it's a lot, really. So like two of my kids. I have like a perfect example for this. Um, my youngest one, he has all this creativity and he's really practical, right? Like super practical, super smart, can build and destroy and paint and sing and awesome. Does not fit in a logical neurotypical school. Mm-hmm. Then my middle child, he is a lot like me. Like very high grades, super clever, very logical. He fits in like much better so <clears throat> my point is if there were to be special schools again uh, my younger child would have um, here ha- would have been much happier in school than uh-huh. he is now he does he has he does have I'm sorry this is not my native language so it would be a lot of he has half half ha. <laughs> that's okay
0: you're fine you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: he does have like a personal a resource and everything But it's not adjusted to to his level. They don't really know what to do with him. He only goes to school like three hours a day and stuff. They don't really have a full plan because they're so into this inclusivity. He has to be included. He has to be one of us, one of us. No, he doesn't. He's (laughs) awesome in his own way. Yeah. He needs to be himself. So, yeah, I mean, this is a hot topic for me, like schools in Sweden and, and neurodiversity. It needs to change. We need to be recognized for our abilities and our special differences. That also makes us awesome.
0: Sure. And I, I'm very interested in it as well, being that I work in a school here in the States. But I want to go back to even just a couple years ago, like with COVID, how was how was that for your kids? With Did you guys go virtual? Or how did that play oh. into their learning too?
1: Sweden was actually, I don't know if you saw it in the news, but Sweden was actually one of the few countries that didn't, um, I will not say take COVID seriously, because that was not it. But we were very much more laid back okay. than the rest of the world. We continued to go to our works. We continued to have schools open. Interesting. We did bring in masks and... Uh, we cut down hours at, like, restaurants and stuff, uh-huh. and, and kids and adults had to be, like, two meters. Oh, we have a different system. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that is in American, but... We
0: used feet. We had the six feet rule. You had to be <laughs> six feet apart. I'm, I'm guessing it's about the same. <laughs> Probably.
1: But, uh, no. For some classes, there were online classes, but that was just a selected few for, like, the older ones. Otherwise, it it continued as normal.
0: So how do you um, manage all of those unique versions of ADHD and autism in your home? Sometimes (laughs) autism needs this very structure. Sometimes ADHD needs to be like free flowing a little bit more and open for creativity. How do you manage including your own, all of that in your home?
1: (laughs) Oh my God, tell me about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just about to make a
1: video about this today, how my, my autistic brain is like, Okay, we have to plan the day, it takes two minutes to do this, four minutes to go to the bus, ten minutes to shower, and then my ADHD brain is like, oh, did you know we have cake? Oh, did you hear (laughs) this song? I can play this song over and over, but only the two sentences you remember. Yes. Oh, you remember that conversation from seven years ago? (sighs) Yeah. That's so, me. I
0: even was making a face as you were talking about min- minimizing the number of minutes it takes to do things. When people do that kind of stuff, and I know it helps people, but it drives me crazy because I'm like, I can't function like that. <laughs>
1: it's an autistic
0: trait. Yes. So what I do
1: is I do an extensive amount of research. This has always been my thing. And because I have children that differ from each other, because it's not only that they are on different parts of the spectrum and have different grades of ADHD. they are also different people, different sure. individuals. We have the youngest one is extrovert, The middle one is introvert. The oldest one is ambivert. <laughs> you know, they, they have their own interest and in everything. So you have to just, my recommendation is to extensively research anything you can. And don't forget to research the biological part because that's so important. People are like, when you look up ADHD and autism and all that, you get a lot of, it's a lot of negativity out there, I think. It's a lot mm-hmm. of, okay, you, you're you going to struggle with this, you're going to struggle with that. Yeah. And I feel like people are missing out But why does it happen? Um. So I, for example, I read a lot about dopamine because people with ADHD, they tend to lack dopamine.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not that
1: we can't produce dopamine, we just can't keep it long enough. <laughs> <laughs> And there's actually a lot of things you can do about this. You can create your own dopamine boost. You can eat particular things. You can do smaller activities. You can write small checklists to get your dopamine up and stuff. And... I lost, my, I lost my train of thought. That's an ADHD thing. <laughs>
0: That's okay. We were, talking about, we were talking about understanding dopamine and the biology behind it. Yeah, ADHD. the biology behind it all. Uh, it's dopamine, or adrenaline,
1: serotonin. Uh, a lot of people with ADHD have higher blood sugar levels. That's a thing to look into. A lot of people um, that are neurodivergent have more bacteria in the stomach. All of these things is also important to research because it can affect your child a lot. Mm-hmm. You can actually help the child a lot um, by not just telling him or her, okay, you're going to struggle with this and this and this. You can do like, you can do like I do. Sorry. If that sounded. <laughs> no, but you can empower them. I think that's what you're
0: yes, you to can say. Empower you can teach them, them how by to advocate giving them, for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And by giving them information,
1: especially my, my middle child, he is, he is all about this. He's like, mom, why am I like this? And I'm like, This is because you lack dopamine in this particular (laughs) area. And he loves that. He's like, okay, what do I need to do? And then we create a solution. So we go around everything. Really passionate about that as
0: well. Yeah. And I think it's important to empower them, you know, because that was a concern of my husband when we went through our autism screening for my son is I don't want him to feel defeated or feel like he's not like everybody else in a negative way and so we mm-hmm. uh, we fed him all this positive energy of we're going to the doctors to show them how smart your brain is and mm-hmm. how, how you know just had a, a psychological flip even just with him only being you know seven and eight years old while we're doing this giving him those like this is a positive thing because I think empowering them you know and teaching them that there's kids in this world that have grown into adults who have created these amazing corporations who have yeah. these disabilities is so much better than like you said some of the ways it's portrayed on the internet which can just be here are all the things you're gonna have to deal with and here are some strategies how to do it
1: yeah and the thing is all these all this negativity it's around like society is created and driven mostly by by neurotypicals right so mm-hmm. it's always compared uh, back to the neurotypicals and I want us to stop doing that I think that is so important yeah. especially especially for kids because I know I do know a lot of parents whose kid got a diagnosis and they get like really sad yeah and this is so upsetting This he will never be normal and I'm like compared to what what are you comparing to is yeah. your child happy is your child okay is he like well fed well dressed does he have interest does he has is he happy and they're like yeah that's it no more comparing <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And the hard part is, is unfortunately, working in schools, I see that even kids that are considered, quote unquote, normal or neurotypical, they get picked on for other things. You yeah, know? I mean, there it, really yeah, is yeah. no normal or no kid that is going to no. be so shield proofed no. that they're never going to be picked on or isolated for something, you know?
1: And normal is a shifting topic as well. It changes yeah. all the time. What is normal, what is not normal. Did you know that ADHD from the start was actually considered a non moral dysfunction? So it was not even based on the biological traits or anything. It was based on a bunch of boys who was considered not morally correct in interesting. 1902
0: Interesting. I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. do more research on that.
1: Oh yeah, look it up. Look it up. Very interesting. <laughs> It's the same with autism. Um, I don't remember the exact date of this one, but it was considered. It was called a refrigerator, I can't say that word. Refrigerator disease, mm-hmm. and they said that autism was caused by having cold-hearted mothers. Again, Ooh. a social thing.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting, and thank goodness we've come so much farther from that. Because yes, but I think we know.
1: have to go even farther. Oh, because absolutely. I feel that. The, the society, the social way of diagnosing is still there. I feel hanging over us. Yeah, still.
0: absolutely. And, and you sound so knowledgeable about it. I could literally talk to you all day. If someone wants to continue to learn about um, the things that you have to share or your family, where can someone go to to follow you? Well,
1: uh, on most of my platforms, I'm called Icons Creations. And on my newly started TikTok, I'm called Icons Neuro Creations. So please hop on board. Ask me anything. Here to help.
0: Yeah, we really have to band together because this is this is so much bigger than even just ourselves. And we
1: it really is. We have it to really advocate.
0: Is. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really thank you for having it. me. This was really nice. Good. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye.